Hi, and welcome back to Get Outside with Kids, a podcast where we inspire you to spend more time outside with kids. And I think this might be our most inspiring episode yet. It is a huge favorite of mine because uh, we're about to have some repeat guests on the show that just hiked to Mount Everest Base Camp with not one four-year-old, but two four-year-olds. Our guests tonight are two of the most humble parents in the world, I would think, um, and you will hear that through everything they say. They're taking us through what seems like a completely wild goal to me, but they have proven that kids are much stronger and much more resilient than I would ever have given credit for. Tyson and Shannon uh, take their twin four-year-olds on amazing trips. They're going to tell us all about this trek to Everest Base Camp. And every single thing they said, Jen, I was like, that is a huge achievement. And they're like, yeah, that was just a small thing. We did like a 13K yeah. day at Elevation. I know. And I, I really want you to listen to, you know, we're going to get the story of Everest Space Camp in the beginning. Um, and then close to the end, you know, we, we really dive into a story they recently shared on Instagram about, you know, where did this motivation to live this big adventurous life come from? Um, and Tyson's going to share some of his personal story that I think will really hit home for a lot of our listeners just about how things in our life shape where they go. Um, and I really love that they are just, you know, taking life by storm, doing amazing things. Um, and for so I think for some of us, like not letting their kids stop them, you know, they're embracing that they have children and they're still embracing these big adventures. So we hope you'll be inspired, whether that inspires you to get out for a small adventure in your backyard or plan something in another part of the world. Uh, it's truly an amazing episode and we hope you're going to love it. We are very excited tonight. Jen and I have, this is only the second time we've had returning guests come back to the podcast because we think they're so cool. We are very excited to have Tyson and Shannon from Restless Crusade with us. Welcome to the podcast and for your second time, Tyson and Shannon. Yeah, well, thanks for having us. <laughs> so, since we spoke last year, you where we interviewed you on the podcast last year to talk about backpacking with your twin four-year-olds. And Jen and I were absolutely blown away. I know lots of our listeners were blown away by the kind of stories that you were telling us and the amazing adventures you're getting up to. And you have gone above and beyond this in the last six months or a year um, with some pretty epic and amazing travels that, you know, the, the highlight from what we could see was trekking to Everest Base Camp with your twin four-year-olds. And we have so many questions, so many questions. Can we start with <laughs> where did this idea come from? How did you decide that trekking to Base Camp of Everest with twin four-year-olds was something that you're into? And what led up to that, um, to that trip for you? Well, truthfully, we weren't doing that <sighs> at all. We were going to get on a sailboat in Australia. And we were going to be sailing up around the top and down to Cape Town in Africa. Like we just gonna... casually across an ocean. <laughs> just, just a quick sail, guys. It's no big deal. Just a quick sailboat ride. That was the initial plan. And then there was some issues with the sailboat. It needed to be fixed up a little more. Um, then we kind of got too late in the season. It becomes, became cyclone season. Um, and we weren't really able to sail. So we got off in Cairns, spent a week in a hotel there, and tried to figure out what we were going to do next. <laughs> and Everest Base Camp is just the idea that floated to the top? Is this something you've always <laughs> wanted to do? <laughs> Not exactly. We, 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 we first went to, uh, to Bali in Indonesia there. That was our first little jaunt, and then 
like a lot of countries, you need to have an outward ticket before you can enter. So we had to figure out what we're doing. So then we ended up buying another outward ticket to Thailand. So we only really had those first two months roughly organized and and, and roughly actually embellishes it quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, and then, like I say, we spent the month in in Indonesia, and then flew up to Thailand. Same situation happened when we're flying to Thailand. You need to have an outward ticket. So one of our original plans was to get off in Cape Town, and we thought about going to Tanzania to hopefully climb Kilimanjaro. I have a cousin Whoa. that lives in Johannesburg, so we were going to leave my, my the two girls with my cousin, and then Shannon and I were going to leave to do Kilimanjaro. So upon arriving Another in casual massive pace. So, <laughs> so we are we already had all of our winter kind of climbing stuff with us and we brought the stuff for the girls too just Well cuz we because... we climbed Mount Kosciuszko in in Australia when we were there. So we brought some winter clothes for that. It's a little kind of in a different scale though, right? Like <laughs> well, yeah. it's like a day trip. Well, there was there was probably three feet, three, three meters of snow up there, and it was just howling wind. We oh yeah, it was yeah. probably the worst day you could ever pick <laughs> to hike that mountain. They were like, "Well, this chairlift that you normally take to go up there is um, out of service, so you have to take this other one. So it adds another I know I know what it was. kilometer to your trek." And the three hundred. I think it was 200 meters or 300 meter elevation gain as well. You had to do. And, and then it was blowing snow and rain so hard. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, it was just, we always hike in the most unideal conditions. So we already had all of our stuff though, from climbing that, yeah. then we were going to do. Yeah. Like we said, we had all our climbing stuff anyways for doing possibly Kilimanjaro. So we just decide after decided after Thailand, well, why don't we just go to Nepal? Why not Jen? Obviously. Why not? The next, the next quick step. Okay. Now I have like a thousand questions because this is actually truly, it's actually a huge bucket list item of mine. Um, it's the kind of thing like Mount uh, Everest base camp, not summiting Mount Everest. That's, that's a quite a different achievement. Um, and I've always been like, God, I would love to go. And I would totally take our kids when they're like 10 and 12 or 12 and 14. You know, I picture them at this much older age. Uh, but you guys sauntered off like two twin four-year-olds. No problem. We're just going to do it. Um, so my first question is some of the logistics. Um, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the times when you Google things like hiking to Mount Everest Base Camp, there's tour companies that organized. I actually was looking myself and noticed a lot of them actually won't take children. You have to be a certain age. So for some of those logistics, did you just show up in town and start to hike? Did you pre-organize stuff or how did that piece get together? <laughs> oh, yeah. We just showed up in town. <laughs> And yeah. we had looked at booking the flights from Kathmandu to Lukla, um, but they're very small planes. They have very, it's all very weather dependent. So things can get shuffled around quite a bit. Um, online, you're not really guaranteed. Things can be moved very well, cancellation fees, all that kind of stuff. So we ended up going to a, we found a trekking company. Yeah, just walking down the street, found a trekking company and went and talked to him or this company. And he was a wealth of information. He wasn't pushing us on go with my company, get porters, get guides, but he was educating us on what we needed to do with our girls. Um, he helped us book flights. He even got a discount for the girls on these flights, which we didn't even expect. I mean, they're taking a whole seat on a plane. Why would they get a discount? <laughs> but they got discounts on the plane. He called about permits for the kids and if they would need permits up there. And he was just like 
really, really. A- yeah, he's just a genuine guy. He but he had been hiking in that area for I don't know what he said twenty years or something like that. So he's he's done that trail a lot, and he knows exactly what it's like. And and I I've actually been there. I was there when I was nineteen or twenty years old as well. I did that Everest Space Camp trek years back, so I knew what it was all about. So I had a rough idea. It's a bit different if you're just going in blind, but if you've you know if you've done it before, you've you know what to see and you know where the path is and you know what areas you might need porters or guide for and what things you might stay away from. But yeah, we, and I knew for a fact that the options are pretty open. Like you can almost get a porter in any one of the towns. So if you're three days in and you're feeling tired, you can just talk to someone in the, in the tea houses and say, Hey, is there any way I can get a porter for one day, two days, you know, 10 days, whatever you need. So. And same with guides. If yeah. You can get all of that up there as well, but we were in contact with him through WhatsApp. So he said, once we get there, if we feel we need a guide or a porter, he could send one up for us. No problem as well. Like, and he took all of our travel information as well, our travel insurance information. And so if we ran into any problems, if we needed to be emergency evacuated, anything like that, he said that he could call our travel insurance company and get it all set up and worked up, worked out. And we wouldn't have to do Mm -hmm. any of that. Oh, yeah, we we talked wow, around the idea of just <laughs> right. I know. We, yeah. Like we must have just stumbled on like the perfect the right um, guy, perfect yeah. outfit yeah. for yeah the entire thing. Yeah. We we did toss around the idea of going with a group, and then we thought, well, if the girls are going, you have to go slower. Then what do you do with the group, right? Like you're you're stuck going at the group's pace. And then we talked about getting our own guides. It's like well, we heard some guides are pushy, and you know you have to stay here, you have to stay there, or. Yeah. You know, whatever the situation was. So we, we just kind of figured, well, we'll just do it on our own and just see if we can make it work. And we wanted the flexibility. <laughs> like if our girls mm-hmm. wanted to hike two kilometers in one day or eight kilometers in one day, we could do that. Yeah. And we could stay at whatever yeah. tea house we wanted to. And yeah. And, and Shannon and I, we're by no means experts, but we've been up at altitudes before. So we understand some of the, the symptoms that you get along with it. And, and, uh, and the girls, you know, they can communicate with it. They can tell us if they're having a headache. They, you know, we can mm-hmm. tell if they're dehydrated. We can monitor how much food they're eating and water they're drinking. So, you know, it's it, it's manageable, definitely. It's not, you know, a showstopper. So, yeah. So, Jen and I were talking just before this, and Jen and I have both traveled separately to La Paz in Bolivia, which I think is probably the highest elevation that I've been. And I was as weak as a kitten. And like, I did not. I did not cope well with the altitude. And I know that there's obviously a process you need to go through with acclimatization. How does that work with kids? How do you, like, how long does it normally take to get, like, the trek that you did, how long would it take normally and how long did you take with your kids? And did you need to just stop and let them acclimatize? What are, Like, what were you doing uh, in that time? Well, <laughs> so normally a normal guided trip would be 12 days from Luke yeah. Ever space camp back to Lukla. Um, okay. We did it in 17 days. Yeah. That's not so, that different. Yeah. Well, traditionally, you <laughs> stop at, yeah, you, you normally fly into Lukla and then you spend two days to get up to Namshi Bazaar, which is around 3,400 meters. And they take an acclimatization day there. So we stayed there the night. Next day, we just wander around the city. There's lots of little stupas and prayer wheels in the river. You can, lots of things to see as long as the weather's good. And then the following day and every time after that, we only did half days. So where most people would stop for lunch, that was our quitting point. So we would wake up casually. You know, we could hear people down in the kitchen dining hall area. They're getting ready to go at seven o'clock or, you know, before the sun comes up or crests the hills anyways. And, 
because they're trying to get in their kilometers and they're trying to get in their elevation gain for the day. But we casually wake up at nine or whatever and be out of the place by 10. And, and we don't have to, we'd only walk a few hours and we'd be done by one <laughs> and we get in for lunch and that would be it for the day for us. Cause we didn't want to push the altitude on them. So it made How it quite a bit easier. Yeah. Was, it made it really nice. We were never it was amazing. We had really good weather. <laughs> like we could enjoy the mountains, the views, yeah. just take it slow and and the little the little tea hut villages are quite neat. They're you know lots of rock walls built up and little yaks and animals running around. And there's bakeries all over the place that so we'd stop and have a chocolate cake or whatever we felt like doing. And we did find good. that once we stopped though, we couldn't keep going. So mm-hmm. if we were going to stop for lunch or to talk to someone, and the girls were like, "We're done. Mm-hmm. That's we're not going any further." So yeah. we kind of had to plan a little bit that way. Yeah, Shannon and I spent a good chunk in Kathmandu. I think we had five days there prior to leaving before our flight anyways. And I think we spent a good bit of time just organizing distances and elevation gains. So we wanted to keep it roughly 250, 300 meter elevation gain max per day above Namche Bazaar at 3,500 meters. And then we didn't want to hike for any more than, you know, four hours kind of thing. So we'd pick our towns dependently upon that and seeing, you know, where it would end up. So. We had to do a bit of work on our end, but it wasn't that much work, right? And it's your family you're taking care of. So, you you know, you spend a couple hours and you get it sorted out. It's, I it love how humble you two are, by the way. Um, <laughs> another question about That's the altitude, no though. Like we did, um, the tea houses were very cold at night. Um, there's no heat in the rooms. They have heat in the main dining hall, but not in the rooms. So we brought our minus 30 sleeping bags. Uh, for Tyson and I, and then we each had a kid in our sleeping bag, which I mean, normally is not <laughs> what you're supposed to do, but these bags are a little bit wider. We could have the kids in yeah. there with us. So it also helped to be able to monitor them, monitor their breathing and make sure that they were okay throughout the night. Um, mm-hmm. That they were warm wow. enough that they were not yeah. having any issues breathing with the altitude and that sort of thing. So yeah. your body usually goes back to the traditional breathing that you do, you know, in your hometown kind of thing. But up at altitude, if you breathe that same way, you're not getting enough oxygen. So that's one way of telling if you're acclimatizing properly. So, yeah, we could just monitor them easily. And yeah, and honestly, nobody had any issues sleeping at any yeah. of the altitudes, even at the highest at Gorak Shep. Um, yeah, we spent two nights there. Nobody spends two nights <laughs> there. It's unheard of because nobody can sleep well. It's just it's hard to breathe. Yeah. 5,100 5, meters. meters. And everybody said that you guys spent two nights there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but we, we we wouldn't be able to get the distance in with the girls if we didn't spend the two nights. So we had yeah. to, that's how we sort of opted for the half days as well for a slower acclimatization. So. Then in terms of food, again, I'm so curious here, how much food did you bring from yourself or from Kathmandu and how much food is just available on the trail? Because again, I mean, I think about my oh. kids and like, my kids are a little bit picky eaters. Like, I feel like how many goldfish crackers could I pack for yeah. this trek versus how much do you have to just be like the food that is available is what is available? And and how did that part go? Because I don't think I could pack enough gummy bears for, for this trek. <laughs> well, it's funny you should ask that because when we got to Nepal, we had no food that we yeah. had brought from anywhere else. We didn't know we were going there. We didn't know we were going there. Yeah. So we found some locally made granola bars. And I did find some gummy candies that surprisingly were 25% fruit juice, which was very interesting. (laughs) So I bought a whole bunch of bags of that. 
brought some chocolate or granola bars and they were granola bars, like very healthy. They weren't your typical chocolate chip kind or anything. So we brought those, but we didn't really actually need that many snacks because there's tea houses pretty much almost a kilometer or two, sometimes three away. So if you really needed a snack, yeah, they sell you everything. Could, they sell everything. Yeah, coconut mean, cookies and chocolate chip cookies, Oreos, chocolate bars, everything like that. We mm-hmm. we did bring a little tub of uh, like hot cocoa. So back in the tea house, we could just order water and make hot chocolate for the girls. Yeah. Yes, but Which, our girls are not picky eaters, no. and they eat so much when they're hiking. Like there, we didn't need any meat past Namshi because nothing's refrigerated. It all comes up on the yaks it, or porters. So everything was vegetarian. Uh, we ate a lot of dalbot. We ate a lot of vegetable curry. Mm-hmm. And potatoes, we, uh, potatoes. Fries. We always <laughs> ordered a pasta dish, just pretty much pasta with some sort of tomato, tomato sauce, sauce yeah. and mac cheese on top. And they right. ate everything, everything <laughs> they in sight. They were hungry. They were hungry. Amazing. They were starving so, they yeah, were they're hungry. So much. Yeah. And like, our kids also don't really get a lot of sweets and stuff, but mm-hmm. on this trip, they got their first actual full-size chocolate bar. They were hiking <laughs> for Snickers bars to like yeah. every tea house. They would get there yeah. and the owners of the tea houses would just give them a Snickers bar when they got there. Yeah. Well, that, I the would first day, yeah, that first yeah. day we ended up hiking, I think 13 kilometers. So it was a bit of a rough one because I think we woke up at four in the morning yeah. to catch the airplane. And then we wanted to push as far as we can without, you know, wrecking them. But I think we ended up going 13 kilometers because we knew that the next day was going to be a steep elevation change with a lot of kilometers as well. Mm-hmm. So we figured the more we could do that day, the safer we'd be for the day two. But- so can you tell us about the day you actually got to Everest Base Camp? What was it like? Oh boy! The worst day of the trip. Worst the, trip. <laughs> the worst weather. We got. We we woke up and we we're like, we can't even do this today. It is snowing so hard and it's blowing so hard. Like we can't. Despite and it had snowed overnight, probably four inches. Four inches. And our kids' boots like are not even four inches high. So how are they gonna <sighs> hike in this snow without getting snow down their boots? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Tyson, we just kind of dawdled around in the morning because we thought, well, we're not even going to do it. Then all of a sudden the sun comes out and I said to Tyson, well, get outside and see like, how does the trail look? How many people have been up there? Could we do it? Um, yeah. So and he went out there and he's like, said, yes, it's super tracked down. Yeah. So They're stalking base plant. They were, no one was climbing Everest yet, but the, the porters were making trips in there, bringing all the gear and stuff like that. So there wasn't any actual clients in the area, but the, the track was very well beaten down. So I said, well, might be all right. So it was three and a half kilometers and it was about 11 in the morning that we started. Finally got yeah. it together. And we're like, this is the day we better do it. So we start hiking and yeah, about a kilometer in the sun went away and it just turned into cloud and wind and snow. And then so. it started blowing <laughs> snow conditions. and the yeah. kids started like getting, getting kind of chilly and started complaining yeah. a bit. And so. you're walking through a bunch of like lateral moraines and stuff. So just big, huge clumps of rocks and ice. And mm-hmm. it's not like a, you know, the path is very well worn, but it's not a, it's not good when your legs are only, you know, a foot tall. Like it's, it's pretty uh, pretty challenging for little legs and yeah. slippery unangled ground. So. But there was people passing us and, oh, do you need a granola bar? Do you need this? Do you need any help with anything? Here's a lollipop for the kids. Just, yeah. Everybody was so good. So nice. But Yeah, eventually we made it 
a good chunk of the way. And the, the, the famous rock there that you see nowadays that has the, the paint on it, right? That I think we got about half a kilometer, not even. Not and, the, even. and the wind was just blowing. We're walking the spine of this this ridge here and and the wind was just howling and the girls were not having a good time. So they just said, we want up. They never actually said they wanted to go back. They just said they wanted to get carried. So they they walked that entire way all the way there, except for the last 300 meters, which is fine. We were not going to push them. To, it would have been nice for them to get all the way under their own power. But, you know, it's, it's just a family holiday, not a, <laughs> we're yeah. not trying to break any records here. <laughs> and then once so, when we got to the rock, it was meltdown city. Yeah, their yeah. hands were cold. Their feet were cold. So we're trying to get the hand warmers and feet warmers out for them and get their boots off. Um, to get them warmed up and so we have minimal pictures of the actual rock with us <laughs> and we didn't we didn't plan on the girls climbing Kilimanjaro right we were mm-hmm. leaving with my cousin so we didn't really right. have ideal clothing for them so we were wandering around Kathmandu trying to find stuff so we found some little fleece pants and we found some jackets and yak wool hats and booties and stuff and so they mm-hmm. were they were warm in the tea houses but it's you know it's hard to find little kids clothing over there it's not something that really exists well, I don't imagine there's so many four-year-olds hiking to Mount Everest Base Camp. In fact, I'm like, I wonder if there's some sort of stat. I did read a story about someone who brought their three-year-old, I think, to Mount Everest Base Camp. I think mostly carried. But other than that one very specific story, I'm like, has anyone else ever brought children your age? Like, I'm sure you got a lot of looks on the trail and at the tea houses being like, wow, like there are very few children probably under the age of even 10 who go mm-hmm. on the trail ever. Like you might be one of, I don't know, what do you think? Like five families who've done this trick with four-year-olds, maybe, maybe less. Maybe. Um, it was actually really tough uh, from Lukla to Tingboshe with the girls. So the first four days of hiking in the sense that people uh, some people just come up and hike Lukla to the monastery up in Tingbushi, and then they hike back down. So that's a well-worn route. And then once you get past there, it kind of filters out a lot of people. Um, so up until that point, the girls were getting so many cameras in their faces and GoPros and just <laughs> people wanting to touch them because it was good luck and they were just not having it at all. So we were having to stop multiple times, picking mm. them up and waiting till the people would pass because they were just. Yeah. Was, like it was, it was a bit too invasive, much I guess, but yeah. And, and they didn't, not that they didn't care, but I don't know if they may be amazed or then they weren't intent on hurting anything, but like the girls would start crying and they were still like right in their faces with cameras, like a foot away from them. And it's just like, Okay, so and it got to the point where, you know, we were climbing this big hill to the monastery and it just switchbacks basically the whole way up. And the girls would see someone turn the corner and the girls would come running back to us and they'd, you know, we'd have to pick oh, them up and they, would, and they would just bury their head like in our neck there. <laughs> oh. but it, so then I got to the point where I said, just wear your sunglasses, wear your hat, put your head down when people yeah. come by so that mm. they can't take pictures of you. And people would, some people would come up to us and say, is it okay if we take pictures of your kids? And we're like, they don't want to, so no, it's not yeah. okay. They were hiding away, but yeah, oh, there isn't. Cool I don't think there is too many kids up there. Like, there's a there's a school in no. Namshi Bazaar for the locals and stuff like that. The local kids, like a boarding school. So if you if your parents live higher in the hills, you can the kids will stay tend to stay in Namshi Bazaar. But as for tourist kids, I don't know. I think we saw maybe an eight year old. I think an eight year old when we were coming we were down. Out. I think an eight year old was the youngest we saw coming up. But on the actual in the tea houses and stuff, there were babies there. There were young kids the locals, up there. Yeah. The locals mm-hmm. have their kids up there, but we didn't really see any babies past. Dingbushi, which is no. how much is that? Dingbushi 40? was 
No, Rio de Janeiro is 3,900 meters. Mm. I think the, the one town, whatever it was called, I can't remember off the top of my head here, I think it's 4,200 meters. That was the last the last permanent residence. All, anything above that is just temporary and only for the climbing season. So, so last time you were on here, like thinking about this, and do you mean firstly, <laughs> when you say that the kids hiked all the way except the last 300 meters, do you mean literally the whole way before that yeah, or just yeah. that day? No, no, the whole, the whole thing, way. yeah. They didn't really the care whole, for any of it. What? Like, the whole way. Sorry, I just had to come back to that. Again, you two are so <laughs> humble. It's like, oh, they just did this thing. That's, that's oh my God, mind blowing. But that can first you, day, 13 kilometers. Yeah, hike, that, that first day was a big day, but. Yeah. So they really did hike themselves the whole way. Yeah. 300 meters at the end. Who Incredible. Um, <laughs> but- <laughs> it was it's 65 kilometers one way to base camp. So 130 return. Right. Just a quick 130 kilometer hike guy. No big deal. <laughs> On the way down, we, we carried them a little bit because it was very icy and slippery um, getting down from Gorkship um, and very bouldery, very tough for yeah. them. So mm. we did have them in the trail magic and mm-hmm. but they wanted to get out as soon as they yeah. could. And yeah. we we're a bit on, we're on a bit of a time crunch too because yeah. if we were one day we had our flights booked to get leave and you can change it no problem you know our travel agents had just sent us a message and we'll we'll change it but if we were one day later on the way out they stopped flying to that one airport in Kathmandu because it's too busy for the tourists so you had to land at this other airport and that was a four hour bus ride away so yeah. we we opted to carry them Motivated. in the top part because so we, we needed wanted to, to get yeah. out there. but there was one day <laughs> the second last day before we got to Lukla that we hiked nineteen kilometers. It was yeah. three kilometers uphill and then all the rest downhill. And the girls hiked 18 kilometers of that. Yeah. They were just running. Jesus. And hiking. Well, you're, you're going downhill you're roughly downhill, and you're getting so. lots of oxygen Ew. now too. You've just been up at you know, yeah, 50, you 300 meters and so now you're down to 28. Yeah. Ooh, it's so much so easier to move around. On that piece, last time you were on the um, podcast, you talked to us about the child magic. But for people who, who didn't catch that episode, firstly, go back and listen to it. Um, and secondly, can you tell us a little bit about what the child magic is? Um, I was actually out in a park near us for, uh, on the weekend and I noticed somebody with the trail magic and I was like, oh, you know, because I think I, I think I've talked to you about this, uh, Shannon, before. My kids are really heavy and so they were they blew past the limits for trail magic. But Jen and I have both been really sad that we didn't know about this when our kids were at the, the weight we could have really used mm-hmm. it. So anyway, we saw these parents out in a park on the weekend with the trail magic. And one of them, um, the mum was saying, oh, yeah, and the cool thing is you can kind of rig it up. I've seen this thing on Instagram. You can rig it up and make it on the back. And I was like, I know who came up with that tip. And I said, <laughs> I said do you follow Restless Crusade on Instagram? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, amazing. I love that people just know what you two are doing and your kids are doing. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. But I was like, actually, I'm talking to them on Tuesday. <laughs> but can you tell um, our listeners a little bit about the Trail Magic and how it's helped you to do more of these amazing adventures? Uh, well, the Trail Magic came out two years ago. Would have been way better if it had come out two years previous to that. Agreed. We Agreed. did struggle yeah. for the first few years with the girls trying to figure out how we could backpack and have them. So the trail magic was a serious game changer. Um, it's super light and compact and it can fit into, you know, anywhere. And if you don't need it, it doesn't take up much space in your bag. Um, but yeah, just, clips on to your pack and yeah it's just basically a front carrier and it's designed to 
shift the weight onto your waist belts rather than pulling on your shoulders. So it just clips on your pack. So you don't have to deal with two waist belts if you got a big bag and two shoulder straps, which is always a pain. But uh, yeah, it works really well. And it's, it folds up to maybe the size of a t-shirt or maybe a little bit bigger. So it's, it's not like it's a big yeah. cumbersome thing that just, you know, fills your bag when you don't need it. And it comes um, with us everywhere on every hike, <laughs> even when we were away on our trip, like I use it through the airport for Oh yeah, I bet. You messaged me to say yeah. oh. I was complaining about this after carrying my kid who was like honestly <laughs> fifty-five pounds. <laughs> like you should use a trial magic. I'm like, I wish. I know. Well, they are making straps for it, so you will be able to put it on your back with comfort. Oh, that's so good that to know. is in the works and okay, is coming good. because well, we've rigged it up with our Rab yeah. Expedition duffel bags. Yeah straps to use it to put on our back in a pinch but so we'll drop in the code that you two have for it. so if you're interested in a trail magic um you can use the code from uh from tyson and shannon to order one and i really hope that you're getting a lot of business through that because you two have been incredible ambassadors of trail magic <laughs> it's seriously it's the best piece of gear you can have <laughs> when you have young kids now Circling back to, because you have a post that kind of touches on this, you had this huge trip away for a long time, and now you've come home again. Um, and what has that transition been like when you've had six months together as a family on the road, like, and now you're back at home? Um, and at first glance, it might be like, oh, being back at home is so easy again. Uh, but I mean, we know that's not always the case. So what has that been like to return to, quote unquote, normal life and be physically in one location again? And, and maybe what have some of the challenges been with that too? <laughs> Um, it's been a tough adjustment, I think, for the girls, especially. They've had our attention 24-7 for the last six months. Um, you know, we're not having to cook, clean, do laundry, anything like that. So now I'm having to do that back home. And they are constantly wanting my attention. Like, Mom, can you read to me? Mom, can you, you know, do some spelling with me or do this puzzle with me. And I was at first saying, you got to wait, just hold on, just give me a few minutes. But then I thought, well, they've just had six months of, yeah, sure. We can do this right now. You bet. So. And they basically had six months of the same four books, right? We didn't bring that much stuff <laughs> with us. So they get back in the house and there's just toys that we had stowed away and like endless books. And we'll go to Shannon, we'll go to the library and and, you know, pull out 20 more books. So they're just excited about everything running around the backyard and the grass and you know, everything's they're, new. Everything's they're on their bikes one them, minute, right? the scooter, the next minute, and they're pushing strollers. It's just, yeah, they're just all over the place. So it's hard to keep up with them, but it's uh, no, it wasn't too, too bad of a transition. I think. And I think the discipline side of it was a bit harder because, you know, we're yeah. trying to somewhat get them in a routine of going to bed at the same time where before they were just exhausted. They went to bed. So mm -hmm. it's, because they were hiking to Everspace yeah. Camp. In, in Nepal, yeah. anyways. Yeah. Well, and they're not used to eating at a table because <laughs> we travel very inexpensively. So we would just get one room with a bed and, you know, like one hotel room with a bed, yeah. no table or anything. And so they just eat wherever. Yeah. So they come a... home and it's kind of just like fair game. And we have to retrain them almost. To, we know. had a rough go. Like after we left, after we left Nepal, we ended up going to Egypt. And we didn't know this at the time, but we landed and it was Ramadan. So the, the Muslim, the fasting deal. So for the three of the four weeks that we were in Egypt, 
none of the locals were eating between 20 after four in the morning to 20 after six in the afternoon, which meant that there's no restaurants open. So it was, it was very challenging to get food and, hmm. and to, to sit down. And then when the restaurants would open at, you know, six 30, everyone, you know, the 35 million people in Cairo were all trying to eat and the streets were just mobbed full of people. Oh, and wow. So it was a pain to even get food. So all of a sudden, you know, it was eight or eight 30, but time we're getting dinner organized and by, you know, the girls are used to going to bed by seven 30. So they're kind of not doing very well, you know, having a, a poor quality lunch and then a, an, an organized dinner. So quite often we just get it at a restaurant and we just get it to go and bring it back to the room. So there was a lot of, you know, throw a towel down on the bed and just try to not make too much of a mess of the bed sheets when you're eating the, well, and, and such. <laughs> um, everywhere we traveled, sun down, like it was dark by 630 at night. Mm-hmm. So yeah. back home, it's not dark till 9, mm-hmm. 9.30. So they were working off daylight hours. So that was yeah. a bit of a rough transition there. So anyone listening into this stuff, I mean, like, wow, what an incredible family doing all these amazing things. And People, I think you've, you've mentioned as well, are really interested in your motivation. And you shared something on Instagram today that I thought was, you know, it's so, it seems so key to how you both live your lives. Can you tell us a little bit about how, how you two met and how you decided to live your life together from like very early on in your relationship? Why do I have to <laughs> see it? Die? You shared the post, Shannon. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the Instagrammer. Well, we met. We went on two dates, and then Tyson decided to open a big can of worms. I told you the truth. It wasn't the can of worms. <laughs> that he had cancer and that life was uncertain and unstable, and he didn't know what was in store for life, his on life. second date. Well, second yeah. date. And I, I said, why did you tell, like. Was there any good time to yeah. tell that? Like, you I can't tell know. on the first date, and, and you can't string it along to, like, time. the 10th. <laughs> yeah. Right. And there was a lot of questions. Like I, I got diagnosed with cancer in beginning of June, I guess it would have been. And then Shannon and I met in October. So I had a, a big surgery middle of middle to end of June, which actually ended up being the girl's birthday, weirdly enough. I'll fast forward a few years anyways. And then a few months later, I had another surgery. And then I met Shannon just after that second surgery. So, you know, she's asking questions on why I'm not working you know why? I, why I can't really move very well? Why? You know, why are you but, just bumming around, Tyson? Jeez! <laughs> yeah. Like he told me he was doing in, a, <laughs> in a mountain biking accident, <laughs> and that's why he couldn't hike. Because our first date, we went for a hike, well, a walk, because we couldn't really go on a hike. Yeah. <laughs> and then he came clean on the second date. Of, no, yeah. he had just had massive surgery. Wow. He couldn't really move yeah. very well. Well, it would have been obvious too. Like I lost, I don't even know what it was, like 35 pounds, 40 pounds in my surgery. So when Shannon met me, I was just like a little stick. <laughs> so I think she had to start asking questions if all of a sudden I start gaining weight back like, to be a normal sized human being. But Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know, for me, it was just... Well, Shannon worked in the hospital and she dealt with stuff like that regularly. So I don't think it was too much of a you know, blindside smack yeah. in the face there. But Yeah, it wasn't something that I was, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, as, obviously as, it's always a concern on what's life going to be yeah. like. But at the same time, I thought, well, let's just give it a chance and see what happens. And, mm-hmm. and Shannon was there for the next couple of surgeries I had. I guess I only had one more. Another and surgery, then and then he ended up being inoperable, so he had some radiation, and yeah, and then another surgery. 
well, I guess all this time we had lots of time to be together, to do things close to home, like hiking and stuff like that. Uh, and then we wanted to start going on trips, but the whole travel insurance, all that kind of stuff was kind of challenging, challenging. <laughs> so we started booking kind of easy travel yeah. destinations and then worked up from there. And then I guess kind of just. Mm-hmm. And I, I ended up going back to school and Shannon, Shannon moved me to Calgary when I went back to school because the doctor said they didn't know if I was going to be able to do physical activities anymore. So I actually ended up having open heart surgery. So I had to get two valves replaced in my heart valves. So <laughs> they're like, well, I don't know how good it's going to work anymore. Uh, pretty th- good, and- I'd say. You just- <laughs> I know everybody was worried about, yeah. everybody's worried about the kids hiking to Everest Base Camp. It was oh. more like, what about him and his heart? Yeah. So <laughs> Who was your surgeon? Wow. Yeah, hats off to, to them. Yeah. That's why I went back to school because I'm, norm- I'm normally in the trades. And it's like, well, if I can't do physical activities anymore, I need to find some other motive here. So I went back to school and then the first year I was by myself in Calgary. The second year, Shannon came with me. So, and then after my schooling was finished, we'd go on little holidays. And so we went down to Trinidad and Tobago, nothing too crazy there, but it got to be a, not a pain, but everyone starts asking questions. You try to go scuba diving. Oh, do you have any conditions? It's like, well, no, do I tell them? Do I not tell them? Like, (laughs) it's just like, I just won't reveal my chest scars. Like (laughs) trying to do your wetsuit up in the corner. Exactly. (laughs) Really fast. Don't ask questions. There's a prison in the back. So it works well there, right? Yeah. Uh, but wow. then we started climbing mountains. We went to Ecuador, climbed mountains, then mm-hmm. did some scuba diving in Colombia. And then, yeah, just. Yeah. And it turns out the doctor was wrong. I'm not, no. Didn't only have five years to live. Yeah. He's still here. And, <laughs> and my heart works fine. So yeah, exactly. I had to get another valve replaced in 2000. When the kids were 18, little. 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When the yeah. kids were just babies, he had to have two more, two valves replaced again. No, just one. I've only had three done now. Oh, right. The same one twice. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. But I think like, like what you shared in that post, like you guys went into this knowing we didn't know what life was going to look like. We didn't know what the length of your life was going to look like. And thank goodness it's worked out and the surgeries were amazing. Uh, but the truth is like for all of us, like none of us really know, like none, no, one of us, we could all get hit by a bus tomorrow or get a cancer diagnosis tomorrow. And so none Absolutely. of us know how long we're going to be here. Um, hopefully if we get cancer, we get the amazing doctor that Tyson had and we'll sign up for that surgery because uh, his heart <laughs> is certainly ticking. Um, and so I love that you guys have just embraced this, like, well, we don't know where the future lies. So let's just do amazing, awesome yeah. things well, uh, and, while you're here. <laughs> and also like, Yes, you need money to travel. You need money to do all this stuff, but it's just money. You can always make money. You can't make time. Hmm. Wow. I feel like what you just, like, I've I've been following you on Instagram, obviously, for, a, you know, over the last year. We've talked to you before. What you just shared is, like, it's so, it seems so key to everything that you two do. And I think, I think you're amazing. I think the inspiration that you're providing to other families is amazing. Me and Jen are already, we're like, <laughs> what else can we do? Even on the weekend, we did our, yeah. fir- like our littlest one is three and we did our first overnight hike as a family of four. And I was thinking to myself, Shannon and Tyson wouldn't even think twice about doing this. We should go <laughs> do it. And we did. And <laughs> well, that's like, great. You know, like there's, yeah. there and doesn't it, have to be, obviously. And it wasn't that bad, though, was it? Yeah, it was no, fun, it was right? amazing. It was, yeah. it was amazing. Even um, if it's type two fun, it's 
still oh, it's memorable great. and it's still great. It was great. <laughs> and, you know, like you two are showing that kids can do so much more than we think they can. And you, we, Absolutely. we don't give them nearly enough credit. So um, thank you for being so honest and so vulnerable in everything you're sharing, because I think it's, it's just fascinating to watch what you two do. I guess my next question is what, what's next? Dare we ask, Jen? <laughs> I know. Where do you go after Mount Everest? I'm not sure. You know what? We really want to go back to Nepal. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> we want. We asked the girls of the whole six months, everywhere we went, what was your favorite thing? And they said, hiking in Nepal. Those I are, love them so much. Number one. I, I think like, that was the only country we didn't get sick in, though. So that yeah, might be that's true. <laughs> Nobody did get sick in Nepal, <laughs> which is funny because everybody gets sick on the Everest Base Camp trek. <laughs> But not but your kids. Not, not us. We got sick in every other country. <laughs> <laughs> food sick. Not just not sick. Food sick. Yeah. yeah. Food sick. Um, but I don't know. Like We would go back to Nepal in a heartbeat. Aren't you doing quite There's, a massive hike, you two, though, in a couple of weeks? Uh, yeah. It's not really a hike. No, well, next weekend we are doing Baker. Yeah, Mount Baker. That's Another just not, not next weekend. That's next it? weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Casually climbing. Well, it's quite a major peak <laughs> around here, right? <laughs> I know so casual so if people can want to follow along and see some of these amazing Mount Everest photos and some of the other places that you've been recently like Egypt and other hikes where is the best place to get connected with you two online Instagram is a good one our blog as well YouTube we've been putting up some videos we're a little bit behind on all that kind of stuff with YouTube that's this guy here's Department. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We'll make sure we drop yeah, yes. in those links in the show notes Ooh. below. If you follow any of our guests, make sure it's Tyson and Shannon because we we love what you two are doing and we think it's amazing. So thank you so much for joining us again. You uh, came back to us. This is great repeat clients, Jen. <laughs> so uh, very. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on again and for sharing all of those amazing adventures. Yeah. Thanks for having us. If you have been inspired by tonight's guest, we would love if you would do any of the following things. If you want to hit five-star review every listen, that would be amazing. If you want to hit subscribe, so you'll be the first to hear every one of our episodes, that would also be amazing. And if you want to text a link of this episode to a friend who needs a little more inspiration, we would love you forever. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, if you've got ideas for guests and suggestions and questions about the podcast, you can find us over on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of the podcast.